But I'll tell you what, being a parent, it it really kind of brings it also to the forefront that you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm now responsible for these little humans and I'm supposed to show them Jesus and I'm supposed to demonstrate how much he loves them and yet I'm such a flawed person. Mm. And so, you know, it's like this continual thing. Um realizing that I, I couldn't be half the parent that I am without him. Um, he gives me what I need and and apart from him I'm I'm completely lost. As you were speaking I was thinking um, even of having kids uh, in that being a parent uh, I when we when I first became a parent it was so difficult because now there's a hu- another human relying on us for their life and I thought, well, I want to do this. I still want to have time to myself. And no, there's, there's other things um, that Christ had for us. The other day, I was, I was a little frustrated with our kids, and I told Pam, I said, I know these kids are a blessing, but they're driving me crazy right now. <laughs> and she said, she said, honey, not all blessings are enjoyable. Wow. And oh my goodness. I thought, okay, I thought, okay, I need to be thankful in this moment. God has said they're a blessing, I will thank him for it. And we don't understand the blessing as, as he intended it all the time because we get filled with ourselves, we get filled with what we want. And so we don't understand how these things are blessings, how they are gifts from him. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. One of the joys of being on staff at His Hill for all these years is just getting to meet people uh, year in and year out. And then one of the, that, that, that's, that's the high point. And the, the low point, the hard things every year was saying goodbye to people. Uh, you spend a lot of time with them. We're a discipleship ministry. We're all in the same campus together. And so students are in our homes. We're with them. We do things together. And uh, so we're not just in class, in the classroom together. So when they do leave, like I say, it's it's a it's a it's a sad time. Uh, we have a banquet at the end of the year, and often I would just uh, go to the banquet. Uh, we'd have a, a ceremony after, and then as soon as I could get out, I would just to avoid all the you know, all the emotions that go with saying goodbye. But I have had the privilege of staying in touch with some alumni and hearing what's going on in their lives. And so I, I called two, uh, two people. They're, they're married, and uh, they, they met at His Hill. Uh, they were actually, I think, the first couple I called to ask to be on the podcast, and that was way before we even started the podcast. So they have waited for, uh, it must be three years now since, uh, since I initially asked and have finally been able to get things set up to where I can I can talk with them. So anyway, we're going to talk today with Joe and Pam Harms, and they are Canadian. They were students here together. Uh, we're going to talk with Pam first, then Joe, and then both of them together. So we have on the phone right now, Pam. Pam, hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Lovely. Yeah, looking forward to this. Thanks for entrusting us with this opportunity we're really looking forward to it well i i appreciate you guys being willing to to do this uh tell me what year were you and joe joe uh, students at his hill well he was a student previous to myself so he went 
um, a year or two as a first year prior to myself. But I came, I believe it was the fall of 2007. Okay. No, maybe it was 2008. Okay, 2008. Okay. Uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. Time flies, Kelly. Oh, it does. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, <laughs> now, you guys, where are you living now? So, we live in the province of Saskatchewan, and we are in a little town just kind of um, northeast of Saskatoon. It's called Dalmany. Um and we've made this our home for the last eight years. Okay. Now, you grew up in Saskatchewan, didn't you? I did, yeah. I grew up in Saskatoon, so very close to where we live now. Um, both of us work in Saskatoon, but it's kind of like a little bedroom community um, just outside of Saskatoon. So, okay. yeah, I'm very close to home. Okay. Did Joe grow up in, in Saskatoon as well? No, he grew up in Manitoba, so one province over yeah. um and his his town was very very small riverton manitoba um and yeah it's about three hours north um of winnipeg but he should really con- confirm all that <laughs> okay i was just curious i didn't think you guys grew up in the same province but then obviously no. yeah you settled in saskatchewan after being married well tell us what was it like for you uh, growing up did you grow up in a christian home So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I always say I grew up in a household where we went to church every Sunday um, and we did all the ritualistic things. Um, But as far as like maybe talking about Jesus and and applying things Monday to Saturday, maybe that wasn't the case. So, yes, Christian home. Um, I knew Jesus growing up. Um, but not so much like applied through our lives on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, so, uh, do you have siblings? I do. I'm the middle. I have a younger brother, James. He's two years younger and I have an older brother, Warren, and he's two years older. Okay. And so how did you come to know Jesus? I went to a Bible camp when I was 13. I accepted the Lord there as as a camper. Um, But, you know, I would say when I really think back over my life and and my coming to Jesus moment, if you will, it was really the year before I came to Bible school. So I was already like 23. Um, But my exact moment of asking the Lord into my heart and, and saying I wanted to follow him was I was 13. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, what was that, what was that like between uh, 13 and 23? What, what was your walk with the Lord like? Very tumultuous. Um, and I think, I think that kind of goes back to what I described as my household experience. Um, because I don't think I ever understood that following the Lord, it's a relationship. Mm. And, and so for me, it was kind of like, I just saw all the boxes being ticked. Um, but as far as actually like leaning on him, going to him, um, praying with him, 
um, all of that stuff, it was never, a never something that I experienced. And so I think that when I accepted the Lord at 13 at camp, you know, you're on that really big high and then you go back to your home life and all these things that you, you came to camp experiencing and then you go back home and nothing has changed. Okay. I, I think that that really affected me and I became very disillusioned with what it meant to be a Christian. Um, our household was very inconsistent. Um, a lot of struggles between my parents. Um, and so it just kind of felt like, okay, here I, I've given my life to the Lord and everybody says your life's going to be awesome and different and, and transformed. And for me, that wasn't the experience. Everything was the same. And so, yeah, I think I just became very disappointed and I felt like it probably, it wasn't something that I felt I needed to um, continue. And, and so I struggled. I made a lot of poor decisions. Um, I struggled fitting in. I struggled with relationships. I, I think I just wanted to be loved and I didn't understand that that's exactly what Jesus was offering me. Mm. Um, unconditional love. And, and so, yeah, that, that led to a lot of hurt okay. and, and ultimately that brought me to his hill. So, I mean, it, it was, it was a good thing, but yeah, a lot, a lot of hardship for sure. Okay. Well, in all of that, um, did you, were you attending church a little more regular on your own or did you only go if your family went? Yeah, I mean, we went to church every Sunday for sure. Um, as a teenager, once I, you know, I mean, you can't force your child to go with you. Mm-hmm. My parents definitely tried. Um, and and I would say maybe like pretty consistently, but um, we didn't really have a good support system there. There weren't a lot of kids my age. Okay. And so I think that's where I kind of felt like I didn't really fit in. Okay. So you said that as an, really as a young adult is when you, uh, when you were about 23, you said before you came to his hill, uh, there was a, there was a spiritual awakening then what, what happened to bring that about? So my cousin who I wasn't really that close with, um, he actually passed away and it was kind of one of those things that he was a bit of a misfit and he fell into a crowd that accepted him and they made some poor decisions. And ultimately that led to um, his passing away. And I just felt this deep connection in the sense that it's like, I have messed up far more than he ever did. And for his life to be over, over one situation and yet God had spared me so many times. I just, I felt like this stirring in my heart that I knew he just, he had something for me. And I just, I feel like that was the turning point. Um, and so I actually reached out to my aunt and I started attending church with her. Um, and, and so that really led to, I would say probably the biggest, 
because I I had tried that before. I kind of flip flopped back between being like, yeah, I'm in it. I'm in it. I trust you, Lord. Let's do this. And then, you know, I, I would fall apart and fall back into old habits, old lifestyles. And, and so this, this was really the one where I was like, no, this has to be different. And, um, so yeah, they were, they were a big part of that. And so through going to church with her, I was connected with some people, some young people who had been to, um, a different torchbearer school. And that was really kind of what peaked, um, my interest. I think God just planted a desire in my heart and yeah, and that led me to his hill. Okay. Wow. And, and I'm curious what, why did you choose his hill? Okay, so I love horses, and I've never owned a horse, but I've done a lot of um, equestrian stuff. So it was close enough to home that if I needed to get back home, I could be home quickly. And it had horses, and I thought, these people are probably going to be like close to me in proximity after we leave, and so hopefully I would make lifelong friends. And so, yeah, I just, I kind of like checked out the website and I just kept feeling this pull to Texas. Okay. What, uh, and what were your first impressions when you got here? Um, oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, it was great. It felt like a dream being in the country. The, the logistics, the scenery is beautiful. Um, and, and it's smaller. I, I think that also was an appeal. There was really only about 40 students attending at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like, you know, it's this nice, close-knit community. And I felt like that would be good for me. I was a little hesitant to be in, like, a larger setting. Um, and, yeah, it it was all of those things. It was great. Okay. And did did the warm weather have anything to pay uh, to, to play into your decision? Um, a little bit, for sure. I did not mind a winter away, um, although it did snow the year we were there, which I thought was a little ironic. <laughs> but I remember like- you guys telling well, yes, okay, I should say it was like a skiff of snow, but I just remember <laughs> we were we were in chapel, and you guys were saying, like, don't go down the hill, it's very dangerous, and we were kind of all laughing, thinking like, oh, my friend, we, this is nothing. I'm sure we'll be fine. You guys should stay home. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but it's kind of ironic that it did snow. Yeah. The, the cold weather here does surprise a lot of the Canadians from the prairies. They don't expect it when they get here and and they ask us when they first get here, how cold does it get? We'll tell them and they think, ah, it's not a big deal. And I say, it's a different kind of cold. It's, it's, you know, we have a lot of humidity, it's wet, cold. And, uh, and so, you know, people don't believe us until the winter hits, but the nice thing about it, and we've actually had people, uh, years ago, we had students so cold, they called home to Winnipeg and asked for their winter coats to be sent down. And by the time, by the time the coats got here, the weather had already warmed up. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it gets cold, but it's only for a short time. Uh, but I remember uh, first time I saw Saskatchewan, I was flying over Saskatchewan from Winnipeg to Calgary. And I remember it was in December and I remember looking out the window and I, every time I looked out the window, all I saw was white. And I thought to myself, who chooses to live there? <laughs> 
And then I spent some time there. I've been there a few times, actually, and I really like Saskatchewan. You know, I grew up in Louisiana. It's flat land. There's a lot more trees there than Saskatchewan, but uh, but it's flat land. So yeah. I, I grew up with it, and it just never bothered me. I, I like I like flat land. I'm good with it. But uh, but I, I did think it was really funny. I just I couldn't believe it, like all that snow. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's just yeah. so, so completely different. So sometimes, you know, students like just, you know, they, they want to, you know, they pick this one because th- this Torchbearer Center, because it is warmer and, and uh, they, they, like you said, be nice to have at least a winter away from it. So anyway, just, just curious. Um, okay. So yeah. you, you got here and, uh, you, you know, you were, you know, you were thankful, you were happy to be here. What were some things that the Lord, if you, you know, I know it's a long time ago, but what, what are some things the Lord, <laughs> what are some things the Lord did in your heart while you were here? Oh man. Well, first of all, I mean, I was nervous because I, I was older, like I was 23, 24 when I came and I'm thinking like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to be like the grandma of the group, which kind of turned into a joke that there is a picture of some people dressed up like me as a grandma. Um, but you know, the Lord, he, he knew what I needed. He gave me an amazing, amazing roommate. Shout out to Brooke. Um, it was awesome. Was that more, um, more Kirky? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, not more Kirky anymore, but right. at the time, yes. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was just such a welcoming. I was so nervous and I mean, we couldn't have fit together better. So I mean, just, yeah, he, he planned all that out and knew that we would be just two peas in a pod. Um, and just so much, um, he really softened me. I came, I came willing, but I mean, I came with a lot of baggage. Um, and so he, he had a lot of softening in my heart to do. And, um, I think just, it was a perfect setting for that. Um, all the speakers were just so, so engaging and I, I remember you know that quiz that you make us do at the very beginning of the year yeah a basic bible just knowledge to like find out yes so we we get into this and it was obviously very traumatic because I clearly remember going back to my dorm and I was just sobbing and Brooke comes in and she's like of course, like, oh my goodness, I've known this girl for one day and she's already having like an emotional breakdown. <laughs> and so, you know, once we figure out why I'm crying, it's like, oh, oh, sweet girl. It, I completely like, I don't even know what my score was on that, but I, it was shameful. But it was like, that's exactly why I was there because right. it's like, I, I came a blank slate. And the only answers I knew to that test was from listening to Adventures in Odyssey. Um, but, you know, it's like that was just the whole reason I was there was because I'm just like, Jesus, I'm coming completely broken. And I, I just need you to start clean in me. Mm. And so, you know, that was kind of the starting point. And, and so, yeah, I mean, taught me so much. And it was just amazing to be able to be in the Bible every single day. And that was stretching. I mean, it was like a lot of things that I'd never heard before and and perspectives um, shared from speakers. 
that I'd never heard before. Um, and then, I mean, I do have to say I got a husband out of it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's never a bad thing. Um, so, you know, I, I do have to say that wasn't, that wasn't a bad deal, but, um, yeah, you certainly know, just all, yeah. What? There's a, uh, regarding that test, you know, uh, just so you know, the vast majority, like 90 something percent of the students really bomb on that test. And, uh, and it, it's actually, uh, you know, it, it, it is a good thing because, uh, we have, you know, obviously the majority of the students that come to us come from Christian homes. They, you know, they've been in church and they do feel like they have a, you know, pretty good feel for our understanding of, of scripture. And, uh, when they take the test, they realize, you know, oh my goodness, I don't know my Bible. And then yeah. at the end of the year, we give that exam again. And it's, uh, it's, it's a different experience. Um, and, yeah. and so I, so don't, don't beat yourself up over that. That's, that's a, that's a pretty common, uh, experience for students to, to not do well on it. Um, so, um, you were, you were here for one year. And I remember, yeah. I remember you being serious, but, uh, but not, um, not, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm thinking of? I, I, you were, you were serious. You were definitely one of the older students, uh, and you carried yourself as such, but I remember you being, um, also, you know, really fun. You, you were one that would kind of, you would watch what's going on and and kind of let sometimes you would just let the younger students just kind of go with it let them learn <laughs> and but you would uh but you were still you know a lot of fun i think everybody i mean you fit right in i don't want people to think that aren't that people that, who maybe are considering coming to his hill who are you know not 18 and you know the majority of our students are right out of high school but it's not uncommon for us to have students that are in their younger 20s older late 20s we've had retired couples come uh, but everybody does find their place uh, in the community and uh, and for the most part everyone would say it's been a really good and profitable year for them uh, but um, mm -hmm. so uh, you and Brooke were roommates uh, what were some of the what was some of the, did you get to work with the horses? I did. So I stayed for the summer actually. Okay. Um, and so I worked with Peter down at the barn, um, that summer and it was very hot that year. I believe it was like 114 Fahrenheit every day. Mm. Um, so that, that was challenging for sure. Um, but I mean, it was, so it was such a great opportunity um, to work with the kids and, and get to be in that environment and and just really like apply the discipleship aspect of the school um, when working with the kids. So yeah, it was it was a great great time. Yeah, I'm glad you did that because uh, we we tell our students and, and you know it's not that we think if you don't stay for summer you know you're you're committing a great sin, but if you know, to, mm -hmm. we do encourage them, you know, pray about this. If the Lord would have you here, it is an excellent practicum for all that you've been through the last nine months in Bible school. And, and they often will tell us that had they not stayed for summer, 
uh, it, it would not have been the year that it had become uh, because of you know, going through the summer. And, you know, there, there are incredible experiences. You know, we're, we're in summer camp right now into the third week. And, you know, just I've already he- am hearing of things that are happening uh, because I'm part time. I'm not on campus all the time like I was when you were here. Uh, but I'm up every once right. in a while. And, you know, I'm already hearing from the counselors, from the former students, you know, what the Lord's doing with them. And, uh, you know, and it's uh, it's exciting, you know, to see uh, as they they learn that, you know, Christ lives in me to live through me and he will use me as I abide in him. And, you know, we're seeing kids come to Christ. We're seeing kids uh, you know, uh, coming to understand that, that, like you said earlier, that this, this relationship I have with Jesus is, is a relate, it's that it's a relationship. And it's really exciting mm-hmm. to see these, these, these kids come to that understanding. And it, it's also exciting to see how the Lord uses uh, the summer staff, you know, with, with that, you know, with, you know, down in the activities and in the cabins and, uh, it's, and so that's, that's still going on. And I'm, I'm really, um, really glad to hear uh, you say that that was your, your experience as well. Um, okay. Now, uh, tell us, and we'll get Joe's side of this too. You said you ended up getting a husband out of this. He was a second year. <laughs> how, how did you ever find time to, to, to do anything together? Because the second years are pretty busy. Well, see, so the way he did it was when he was there, when I was there, the first semester he was a student, but then actually the second semester he was on staff. Okay. So that, that might be why, because he was always, always around, but, um, yeah, I don't know how that really happened. Honestly, I would say he tricked me because... (laughs) He, okay, so, I mean, you have, it's funny. He had this, like, mumble that he was really polite, and he'd be like, fuck your mom. <laughs> and I thought, like, my goodness, he must be texting. This is so neat. <laughs> and, you know, then as I got to know him more, I realized he is not texting, in fact. But by that point, he'd already, like, got me like I was I was sold but he also had a motorbike at school so that was really fun too um but yeah I think because he was staffed for the last half that kind of freed him up maybe a little bit more to be okay well that makes sense in a relationship so uh yeah when did you get married we got married December 27 2009 okay so almost a year almost a year exactly after we started dating. Okay. And, um, how, you know, so, so you've been married since 2009. Uh, how are you guys doing? Well, Kelly, you know, marriage is the best way to find out that you are a very selfish person. Yep. And, so, you know, it's been, it's been difficult, but there's been so many awesome things too. And we're still continuing to grow together. Um, we, I was in nursing school when we first got married. So, you know, that was stressful being a student and having a new husband who also did not know anybody here. 
Um, but you know, he's, he's everything that I'm not. He's very patient and he's nurturing and he's kind and he's the best father. And so, you know, he, he really makes it easy for me. And yeah, I mean, it just makes you realize how much you need Jesus on a daily basis because otherwise, it would be a lot harder than it is. Yeah. When I get to officiate weddings, I will often um, let's talk to the bride for a while and say, you know, this is the day you've dreamed of. Uh, everything, you know, all your plans <laughs> have come come to fruition. You have the colors you wanted, the people you wanted, uh, you know, the venue you wanted, and, uh, you know, everything is the way you wanted it. But I want you to understand something. This union is not about you. And usually yeah. the audience will laugh and or the guests will laugh. And then uh, the groom gets a kick out of it. And I'll look at him and I'll say, it for sure isn't about you. And uh, <laughs> and then I then I tell them, you know, I look at the bride and I say this, what you're entering into, this is about you being all about him. And I look to him and say, this is yeah. about you being all about her. And, you know, that's, you know, like like you said, you know, from experience, we understand these things, you know, and being married and, and the Lord tends to use that. Uh, and I'm, you know, thankful for that. Uh, and to just that, that relationship that the Lord gives us, that's a picture of Christ and the church is absolutely incredible that he would allow us such a privilege to demonstrate that to, to the world. But we quickly find out that I can't do this. <laughs> uh, this mm-hmm. this is impossible. I cannot do this. I need Jesus for this, and uh, and so mm-hmm. you know we're coming toward the end of the time uh, talking with you, Pam. Before we talk to Joe, but I'd like to ask you. Um, you know, we as believers, you know, we we often uh, you know we come to Christ understanding that you know I cannot save myself. I need. Jesus. And so we come to that time where we put our faith in Christ. But for some reason, like the Galatians did, you know, in Galatians 3, 3, we read that, you know, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And I know for myself, it was actually after Bible school. Uh, I was a student at His Hill. Uh, it was after Bible school that I came to realize, you know, I, I'm, I cannot perfect this in myself. I wasn't good enough to save myself. I'm not good enough to live this life that is Christ. I need Jesus. And Colossians 2, 6 says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, which is by faith, so walk in him. So it's continuing to walk, trusting him and and not me for his life. I'm just curious, uh, when did you come to realize this truth? Was it, you know, when you came to Bible school? Was it after Bible school? Yeah, I mean, probably a mix of both, because I think I was at such a low point coming to Bible school, and and it was just like this complete breaking point of like, I have, I have tried everything, God, like, I, I really have, and nothing has worked in my own doing, and my favorite Bible verse is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God, and and another translation kind of phrases it better, but um, be striving 
and mm. know that I am God. And it's like, I'm, I tried and tried and tried every different thing mm. trying to fill a void. And yet it, it was never working because it's not supposed to, because I am not capable. Mm. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, like that got me to his hill, but I'll tell you what, being a parent, mm. it, it really kind of brings it also to the forefront that you're like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm now responsible for these little humans and I'm supposed to show them Jesus and I'm supposed to demonstrate how much he loves them. And yet I'm such a flawed person. Mm. And so, you know, it's like this continual thing, um, realizing that I, I couldn't be half the parent that I am without him. Um, he gives me what I need and, and apart from him, I'm, I'm completely lost. Mm. So I don't know. I think it's probably still come to that realization every single day. Well, um, that's, that's good to hear. You know, Peter Reed, the general director of Torchbearers, I was just listening to him today. He, the, uh, the Torchbearers are having their general conference right now in England. So Charlie and, and, and some of the staff are there now. And so I listened to um, uh, Peter. Uh, addressing this, the, the, the staff there, and he's telling the staff, the ones who teach at the Bible schools, he's, he's reminding them, he says, listen, this is about Jesus. This is not about us, and we need to be reminded of this. And he said, I need to hear this every day. Um, Major Thomas mm-hmm. once said the same thing to us. It was actually his very last message to the staff, international staff, and he asked us a simple question, and he asked it several times throughout the message. Um, how many times do I have to tell you the same thing? And then he said, it didn't bother Peter, or it didn't bother Paul. It's not going to bother me. And so he went on to tell us what he's always told us, that we need Jesus. And uh, he was at his hill about three months later, and I thanked him for... Um, uh, for I, I, I walked up to him and said, Major, thank you for the reminder. And he looked at me and said, that's exactly what it was. It was a reminder, and we have to remind each other every day. And, you know, as a teacher, you know, I find that it's really, it's really easy for me to get caught up in being cute with the message and, and trying to be, uh, you know, to come up with a really profound way of, and, and I can lose the I, I can lose the truth. I can lose the wonder and the simplicity of Jesus, and and I'm just reminded of that. That you know, Major Thomas telling me that, and then Peter Reed today doing the same, uh, and then and now you talking about the same thing. That you know, really, this is a daily thing that we need to be reminded of and remind each other of. So I appreciate you doing that, Pam. Yeah, for sure. Well, Pam, uh, it's it's really been fun to to talk with you some. Uh, you know, we visited a couple of years ago, like I said, when I called to ask you guys if you'd be willing to do this. But um, t- to sit and talk with you, we haven't done this in a long time, and uh, and so thanks yeah. thanks for 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 giving us this time, being willing to do that. Um, I uh, I do see the posts on uh, Facebook, and it's it's really neat to see you and Joe and your and your kids and and uh, and just the just to see little snapshots of what's going on with you guys, and uh, I am I'm really excited uh, to to see how the Lord's using you guys and um, and and that you're continuing on with Him. That just really it really. Um, 
excites me. It does. I'm very thankful to see that. So uh, I, we're going to talk with Joe now, and then we'll have you both back in a little bit to talk uh, together. So thanks for giving me this time. Of course. Thank you so much. Okay. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Joe. How are you? Doing well, Kelly. Thank you. Great. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to have the opportunity to spend some time with you. Uh, so you're in uh, you're in Saskatoon, or you're in Saskatchewan right now, just outside of Saskatoon, right? We're just outside of Saskatoon. That's correct. Right. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah, Pam was telling me about that. I uh, we were talking earlier, and I I figured uh, it seemed to me I I remembered that you were not from Saskatchewan, and Pam confirmed that you actually grew up in Manitoba. That's right. Yeah, one province over, one to the east. Uh, grew born and raised in Manitoba, and uh, somehow found my way over to Saskatchewan over the time. Okay, and uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Uh, where did you grow up in a Christian home? Yeah, you bet. So it was um, a Christian home. It was kind of an interesting case. So we were a Christian home. My uncle also lived on the same property because dad and him uh, ran a farm and a construction. So they were Christian. And actually, the entire community surrounding us essentially was a a Christian community. Um, We really didn't venture much outside of that. You know, there was a church that everyone in the area went to. Uh, there was a Christian school that went to grade 10 uh, or 10th grade um, that everybody went to. And so that was was our whole life was Christian people and, and um, Christian family. Um, I, I should specify, I guess my mom and dad were, were Christian. I have three siblings. Um, none of them have, have decided to follow the Lord as of yet, but mom and dad raised us in a Christian home. Okay. So, uh, when did you come to know Jesus? <laughs> Being surrounded by everybody that that uh, it professes to be Christian, um, that was something just at a very young age that it was, I don't remember much from being a young age, but it's interesting. I remember being, you know, four or five years old by mom's bed and, and kneeling down and praying for Jesus to, to come into my heart. So that was one memory that I do have of that time. Okay. And, um, do you remember, you know, anything about, you know, as a, as a child then, you know, what was it like, you know, for you with Jesus, you know, having been a, been a believer, what was it like growing up as a Christian for, for you personally? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say there was a huge radical life changing shift at that time. Uh, I think that time did come a little bit later when uh, I understood a little bit more about Jesus actually saving me. Um, so there wasn't a huge shift at that time. Uh, being surrounded by so many, so many believers, um, it was just kind of this is natural. This is what everybody does. And, and there was that understanding. Um, I would say it was a very sheltered life in a sense that um, we didn't really see anybody that didn't profess to be a Christian. Um, that kind of changed when my siblings started growing up a little bit. They were kind of probably the first in the community to start moving away from anything that, that anybody around us was professing. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just, you go to church on Sundays, uh, 
Um, you go to school during the week, you have Bible classes basically every day. You get Jesus and God uh, pounded into your head over and over. Um, it was interesting as I was thinking about this too. I don't remember the Holy Spirit ever being talked about as a young child. Okay. Um, not in our church, not in school. And uh, it's interesting to me because it was a lot of do this, um, but uh, there was no there was no source for it, right? Okay. So what was it like uh, for you, uh, you know, in your teenage years? Yeah, so the, uh, the school I went to, the Christian school, stopped in grade 10. Um, grade 11, I went to a public school. So it was just outside of our town, or sorry, our community. It was in a town. And my siblings had already been through there. They were partying pretty heavy at that time. And um, going into this other school, I basically I, I had a best friend in the Christian school. When I went to this other school... I, I really struggled with, I wanted to please people. Mm. Uh, I just had a natural desire to want to, to be liked, to want others to like me. Um, going to this public school now, Jesus was not popular. It wasn't the natural thing that everybody does. It was actually far from the opposite. And I realized my siblings have already been there. They've, got a name that I could kind of cling on to and that they were a little bit of rebels, which was the cool thing to do. That's what people liked, right? Mm. And um, so this, this you know, best friend that I had all through Christian school, when we switched over, I basically cut off connection with him completely. He was following Christ. That was, you know, every day he would come to his locker and he would kneel before his not locker and pray the wow. day. Um, people were, yeah, uh, he was dedicated. People would mock him for it. Some people were curious, like, what are you doing? Um, but because of the mocking and because I wanted to be accepted with these other people, I basically completely shut him out of my life and essentially shut Jesus out of my life. Okay. Um, I was still still involved with the youth group uh, at our church and still involved going to church every Sunday. But past that, um, I got into kind of more of the rebellious crowd. These were uh, people that would accept, yeah. Okay, and did that continue throughout high school? It did, yeah. Yeah, so that that was right through throughout high school. Um, I continued down that road. Uh, It was, honestly, it ended up in, in a lot of depression. Um, it didn't end up in a very good spot. It got to a point that I just, I didn't see a point in living anymore. Right. I became very suicidal in my thoughts and, and even, you know, the guys that I, I ended up getting in with, um, they were like, if you think of the people that all were, they dye their hair black, I guess goths is what you'd call them now, but we'd listen to death metal music and, um, my, um, somebody who used to make jokes that we were the black leather jacket gang. All of us had black leather jackets. Um, and But these guys as well, I remember one time coming into school and one of my friends the night before, he'd split his wrist. Um, wow. And he uh, survived it. He got to school the next day, but 
I thought that was kind of cool. And so um, I, I didn't see, I guess, the problem with it. I saw more of the, the relief of pain from it. And so I started cutting myself a little bit too and just being very suicidal. I had a very low confidence in, in who I was. Um, I, I remember a point too, you know, I was just so upset, so angry. And I was trying to uh, put a knife up to my chest and say, you know, just, just kill yourself, just do it. And I couldn't do it. And then I would yell at myself and say, you're so pathetic. You can't even kill yourself, you know, and just a very dark and negative place. Um, were you still attending church? Still attending church still attending the youth group, um, uh, doing all of those things. Those things didn't really mean a lot to me. I, I didn't get a lot out of them. But again, wanting to do what other people wanted me to do, I wanted to still please my parents. And going to church was that. I wasn't ready to disappoint them in that. So I would still go to church, still go to youth group. Um, and actually through that, there was, there was a youth sponsor that ended up coming to the youth group that um, just honestly showed me the love of Christ. Um, he invested time into me, and, and through that, um, I, I wouldn't say I completely turned to Christ, but I was able to come out of that depression and that, that mode of thinking um, just through his friendship um, and, and, and his care. Were you still in high school at that time? That was all through high school, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you, the, the, you started to make a turnaround, um, and then you, I guess, graduated. What did you do after high school? So after high school, I, uh, I almost right away got my Class 1A, so that's a license I can drive semi-truck. Um, Dad had a construction business. He always told me, never do construction. Do something else with your life because this is too hard. It's too difficult. And, uh, so I got my 1A license. Um, but at that time getting a job driving truck, everybody wanted experience. It was like, you need two years experience or we're not even looking at you. There's no interest. So I'd put out resumes and put out different things and I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. Nobody wanted me. Um, uh, and through that time as well, my, my one brother, um, was, still leading a really rough lifestyle. Um, and there was a, a girl that uh, ended up living at his house, um, him and his wife's house. And so I would go over to his house sometimes. And again, um, I wasn't living too rebellious, but enough to hang out there and uh, ended up getting to know this girl a little bit. And so we ended up um, getting together and dating a little bit. Um, it was not a good situation. She had a child from a, at a young age, um, but I didn't really care. But I, again, I, I still, even though I was out of the suicidal point, I still had a very low confidence and low image of myself. Um, and so we started dating. Um, she kept bugging me to stay the night at her place. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. Um, and it was it just, I find it interesting in how the Lord worked. And, you know, there was one night, okay, I stayed the night at her place. The next morning, mom came, knocked on the door, and she was just devastated. Um, but I went home with her. And um, I remember both mom and dad just being devastated that, that I wouldn't have come home the night before. 
And I was having such a hard time finding driving jobs that morning home for probably 15 minutes. And somebody called and said, Hey, do you want to go long distance truck driving? And I said, sure. I needed a job at the time and, um, I took it and in retrospect, it was good because it got me away. And about 20 minutes later, another person actually called and offered me a job driving as well. Wow. Uh, So yeah, it was, uh, to me at least it was a sign, Hey, you need to get out of here and, and move on just to distance yourself a little bit from the situation. Okay. So how did the new Um, job work out for you? Well, honestly, I was so embarrassed with my life at that time. My plan in, in taking this job was I was going to go on the road and I was going to um, never speak to my family again. I was embarrassed about my choices. Uh, I was never going to speak to this, this girl that I had been seeing. I was just going to leave everything and start over. Um, so I, I hit the road. Part of the problem, too, I hadn't been working for a while too long so I didn't have a lot of money um I I ended up somebody gave me uh, a loaf of bread and and a thing of cheese and ravioli and I remember I had that for about a week that was my food supply for about a week wow uh because I was just I was unwilling to call mom and dad and say I need help I need money I need no I was gonna go and start over start fresh and I needed two weeks before I get my first paycheck um, but the problem was that food may have tied me over, but I, I ended up getting pulled into a scale and, and an, an inspection done on the truck I was driving. And there was a lot of things wrong with the truck. Uh, I ended up walking out of that scale with, yeah, I think it was over a thousand dollars in tickets. And I crawled into the back of my bunk and I'm like, I can't even buy food. How am I going to pay for these tickets? Yeah. Uh, and I just, started crying and I, and I cried out to God, like I've never cried to him before. Um, you know, weeping and just repenting and, and asking for his forgiveness in all these things. Uh, and so I, I probably spent an hour in that bunk just talking with God and, and just lifting these, you know, he lifted these things off my chest. Uh, after that too, I thought, you know, I need to call mom and dad. I need to call them and, tell them I'm okay. And, and, um, I don't remember if it was in that conversation. I got on the phone with them and, and called them. And yeah, I don't remember if it was that conversation, but there or shortly thereafter, um, the Lord just laid it on me to say, you know, mom, can you find me a Bible school, in Texas? I, I need to go to a Bible school. <laughs> uh, I remember you telling me that when you were a student here and I remember looking at you and saying, why Texas? And you said, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I remember you telling me that too and just saying, wow, you did that. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, why not? Like nothing strange about it. And I appreciate you just mentioning that because I think sometimes it takes other believers to point out, Hey, look what the Lord's done in your life. Mm. Um, I didn't see that before you mentioned that, like why Texas? And, and you really opened my eyes to, no, this isn't something you just randomly did. God did this in your life. Wow. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. A lot of, I hear a lot of other uh, 
students saying, I don't want to go to Texas. And it's hilarious because, you know, you, you kind of talk about the, the John Wayne mentality. And I think in my mind, I'm like, when I think back, that's probably partly why I did want to come to Texas because I was a, I love that type of stuff, right? So <laughs> uh, it's funny. <laughs> that's great. So you you ended up coming to his hill, and let's see, Pam thought you were a first year in 07. Is that right? No, she is wrong in that. So okay. I first came to his hill in 05. Oh, wow. I actually, okay. Well, okay, I was a first year in 07 again, but I first came in 05. Okay. Uh, I came for the winter winter semester because all of this was happening kind of in fall. So I applied um, probably October and I got it for the winter semester. Um, the first two weeks at his hill, I was used to driving a truck by myself in the, in the bunk of my cab, like nobody around. And, and uh, I was thrown into a dorm. It was Bethel, I believe at the time. And there was probably eight guys in there. Yeah. Um, so, there was eight guys I'm suddenly stuck in a dorm with and all these people that know each other from before because I'm coming in the winter. And I, I was pretty shy at the time to begin with. And so I was really struggling the first two weeks. I was like, man, God, what am I doing here? Like, why did you bring me to this place? Uh, I was I was contemplating leaving uh, shortly in and another student just randomly, I didn't say that to anybody, but another student randomly came up to me and she said, you know, I've, when I first came here, I was struggling so much, um, but I'm so thankful that I stayed and just like, oh, okay, well, maybe mm. I'll stay. Maybe I'll give it a try. Mm. That's uh, so I did stay and, so, and it was incredible. Okay. What, what were your, what was incredible? <laughs> The teaching, um, the fellowship, the, the growing. Um, I remember some some pretty scary events. I remember actually in your class, one of them was public speaking, and I thought, "How am I going to do this?" <laughs> I mean, probably gave me the worst grade you've ever given um, because it was brutal. But it was a growing experience, and you were so patient and kind and nurturing with with um, just assisting in growing in Christ in pointing us to Christ. Um, and, and the community was definitely, it was a strong community at the time as well, uh, just to, to live together, to, to know Jesus. Mm. Um, so I live, uh, went through that semester. You're coming up at the end of the semester. Uh, I'm surprised Charlie asked me this because even though I was shy, even though I was growing and learning, I wasn't very vocal about it at the time at his hill. Uh, I remember one of the guys in our dorm was dating one of the girls, and, and I remember him coming back to the dorm, and, and he said, you know, she asked me tonight, does Joe ever say anything in the dorm? Like, does he speak a word? Or is he completely <laughs> mute? <laughs> there were things going on in my heart but I was not vocalizing them at all. But anyway, near the end of the, the uh, semester, Charlie, he's like, you guys must have been desperate, but he's like, do you want to stay for camp? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, well, I gave him the right answer. I'll pray about it, right? Yeah. Uh, I did pray about it, and 
I felt the Lord saying, yeah, you should stay. Uh, the year before, or me and a buddy, um, we had camped in, in Manitoba. We had gone camping, him and I, almost every single weekend. And uh, that's what I was looking forward to in that summer. And graduation was finishing just before May long weekend. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to miss camping with my buddies back in Manitoba. And, you know, I felt like the Lord was saying, I, I need to stay in camp at, at uh, to stay at the camp at his hill. Mm. I ended up not staying. I ended up right after the banquet. Uh, I remember driving straight home. Uh, I left immediately after that night. I remember a 19 year old kid. I was bawling my eyes out, honestly, from comfort all the way to Dallas. I don't think I stopped crying. Wow. I think I knew in my heart it was the wrong wrong decision Wow! and it was just tearing me up. Um, but, uh, that's the choice I made. And I remember, uh, I drove, I think 30 hours straight to make it back for camping for May long weekend. I remember finishing that weekend and thought, really, that, that's what I came back for. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't meet the fulfillment that I was expecting at all. Uh, it was, it was just, really anticlimactic. Okay. There was nothing there. Well, you ended up uh, coming back though, right? We did. So I spent a year and a half away from his hill, uh, just working different jobs. And all, all throughout that time, I felt I need to go back to his hill. I need to go back and finish up my year there that I started. And so finally a year and a half later, uh, I sent an email again to uh, to Charlie, and I don't I don't know if it ever went through, um, but I had a D group leader that uh, I emailed and, and notified him, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking about coming back." And then I think a, a day later, I got a response from Charlie saying, "Hey, do you want to come back or something along those lines?" Oh, okay. So I did come back in 2007 in the fall of 2007. Okay. So you, and, finished, uh, so you finished, so you finished the year, you, you finished your first finished year, that I mean. year, finished the first year, um, went on to, as I was finishing up the first year, it was kind of, there was a question asking, are you staying for a second year? Are you staying? And I was humming and hawing, I was praying about it and I thought, yeah, this is what the Lord would have. And, uh, I, I believe it was Brian Stamness that I, I asked. I said, so how does the, how do you apply for a second year? He said, well, you just did. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was a little bit more to it than that, but uh, I, I did apply for the second year and it did stay for a second year as well. Um, mm -hmm. So for the first semester of the second year, um, again, I, I praying about staying for summer camp that summer did not feel the Lord would, would have that, uh, have me stay. So I did go home for that summer. Uh, and then again, I chose to, uh, come back to finish up the second year at, uh, at the end of that summer. Okay. So that would have been the, the fall of 2008. Okay. Uh, would you say interesting? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, would you say that it was your time at his hill where you came to understand that Christ is your life, 
not just a ticket to heaven, but actually, you know, as you receive him, you, you walk in him. Absolutely. Yeah. As I mentioned, the Holy Spirit was never really discussed at our home church. wasn't really talked about. I remember first coming to his hill and hearing about you know, Jesus living in through you through his spirit. And I said, man, like you guys talk about the spirit. Like that's, that's getting kind of a little liberal there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's how conservative we were. But uh, as I, as I listened and as I learned and as I understood more, I think I started to grasp that. Um, I, I got the foundation for understanding Christ in my life. I think it was a lot of theory at the time though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Christ is my life. This is how it works. Um, I, I don't know how much was actually real in my life at that time. I can I can identify with that because you know I was a student here, and uh, for, for me th- there was a term definitely a terminology change. You know where I I was hearing what was being said, but I wasn't really listening to it. You know God God told Peter and John and Andrew, you know this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I can identify with Peter where I was really busy, you know, doing things, doing things, doing the right things, coming up with the right ideas and, and, and but not really listening to, to, to Jesus. And, uh, it was, but, but I, I did hear a terminology. There was a different, I was hearing something different as a student and that my terminology changed and that I started to say, Jesus has to live in you and through you. And I even left his hill and went on to Bible college and was teaching a youth group, you know, that, that Jesus has to live in you and through you. But, you know, it was nothing more but a mm-hmm. terminology change. Uh, it, you know, the, the Lord had to bring me to the end of myself and, 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 you know, and he, he did that just in, in life experiences, you know, things that I was going through and, you know, finally coming to the end of myself, realizing I can't do this, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and then realizing only Jesus can be Jesus. Only Jesus can live his life. And as he has saved me, uh, you know, uh, by faith in him, it, it's, you know, by faith in him, does he live in me? A completely different change. And I've seen, you know, I've seen that with you. And, you know, usually when you and I converse either by email or we talk to each other on the phone, uh, you know, you're, you're constantly, you know, bringing things back to Christ. So, you know, I, I know that the Lord's, you know, has practically worked out the terminology. Uh, he's fleshed it out in you as well. Yeah, I, I can't say that it was a specific point in time, but just a gradual change that he's been continuing to be faithful and, and proving himself in, in my life and in my family's life and, and proving who he is um, and, and just working himself out in, in our lives. Mm. Pam was saying how, you know, for, for her being, you know, one of the ways the Lord has brought her to this realization has been, you know, marriage and understanding that, you know, this, you know, that, that, that there's a, she has to battle a selfishness with that, you know, but, but, but coming to realize that she needs Jesus, you know, in, in the marriage and, in, in being a parent Mm -hmm. and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you would say the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, actually one of my roommates from his hill, I stood up for him in his wedding. And before he got married, he was 
kind of asking for advice and I don't know if you really wanted advice or confirmation, but I said, you know, if you, if you want to be more available for Jesus, uh, stay single. But if you want to become more like Jesus, go ahead and get married. Wow. Um, because he is going to change you and, and show you how much more you need to become like him through, through marriage. Mm. Um, I can definitely say that's been true for myself as well. Okay. And how so? How how does how has he done that with you? I had lots of ideas and, and plans and even things that I want to do, little things that I might want to be doing. Um, not even big things. And I didn't realize how tightly I was holding on to these things. And then Pam will say, well, what about this? Or I want to do that. And suddenly there's a different perspective or a different change and, uh, and somebody else wants something different. And I realized just how much of myself that I've wanted to hold on to or, or my own ideas that I have, um, and in, in material things, um, that are just ridiculous. And, yeah. and he's, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and he is, the Lord is faithful to, 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 you know, to, to work in our hearts he's he, he never seems to miss an opportunity to um to to to, to bring us to the end of ourself and see our need for him and i am and i'm very thankful for that because you know the the, sure. the the abundant life that we are to know you know christ said i came that you might have life and have it abundantly the abundant life is it, you know it, it's got nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. And I'm so thankful that he is willing to daily just take us back there, you know, to bring us to the end of ourself because only, you know, only there can, yeah. are, are we ready for his life and the abundance of his life. And, uh, you know, I think so often we can compartmentalize our lives, you know, we're okay. I've, you know, you know, the, my hobby, you know, I can handle that, you know, I, and, and I'll, and I'll do it, you know, as a, in a, in a way that honors the Lord, but I can do that. Uh, my marriage, you know, I, of course, you know, I want to be a good husband and I've had this, I remember having this discussion with one of our students. He was convinced that he could love his wife. He didn't need Jesus for that. And I said, well, that's, yeah, sure you can, but it won't be, it won't be the love that she was designed for. It's going to be your love. And that was offensive to him. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 but, you know, but my point was that, you know, if, if you're going to be the husband that you were made to be and that she was made to know, then it's only going to be because of, of his enabling. Paul said, I strive, I labor according to his power, which mightily works within me. And so, you know, it's, if we're going to, if we're going to be the husband that we were made to be, then it's only going to be by the power of Christ. It's only going to be by his power at work in us. Anything else is just an imitation of what we were designed for. And, you know, we need to encourage each other to, you know, to, to live as we were created to live, to live that abundance that is Christ and not, you know, not, and stop this, this foolishness of, you know, trying to, to, you know, to, to make something of ourselves that, you know, I mean, mankind, that all of history has proven that there's nothing there. We can't do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and those things are true, not only just in marriage, but in every facet of life. As you were speaking, I was thinking, um, even of having kids uh, in that being a parent, uh, I, when we, when it first became apparent, it was so difficult because now there's a hu- another human relying on us for their life. And I thought, well, I want to do this. I still want to have time to myself. And no, there's, there's other things um, that Christ had for us. The other day, I was, I was a little frustrated with our kids, and I told Pam, I said, I know these kids are a blessing, but they're driving me crazy right now. <laughs> and she said, she said, honey, not all blessings are enjoyable. Wow. And... Oh my goodness. I thought, okay. I thought, okay, I need to be thankful in this moment. God has said they're a blessing. I will thank him for it. And we don't understand the blessing as, as he intended it all the time because we get filled with ourselves. We get filled with what we want. And so we don't understand how these things are blessings, how they are gifts from him. Wow. That's encouraging. That's really good. Okay, so uh, let's let's get Pam on the phone and let's uh, let's have a, a visit with the three of us. Thanks for joining us today for part one of a two-part series featuring His Hill alumni Joe and Pam Harms. It is always encouraging to hear from alumni the ways in which God has worked in their lives before and after the Hill, and we hope you were uplifted by the testimonies of the Harms today. Please join us again next week to hear more from Joe and Pam about a season of their life where they learned how to trust and lean on God more than they ever had before. Be sure to follow the His Hill podcast on Instagram and Spotify or wherever you're listening from and rate us. The higher you rate us, the easier we are for others to find. You've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Joe and Pam Harms. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, alumni. He is for you. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.